We are doing uh, four parts. We're doing four-part series thinking about money. And this is kind of uh, combined with our finance report for last year and our projections for the coming years come out. So if you're a member of the church family, really recommend you grab one of these. It's probably the most exciting read you will ha- have. It reads like a spy thriller novel. <laughs> uh, and anyway, uh, so there's some paper copies here. If they run out, you can put your name down and we'll get a paper copy to you. Or it's on our website in the news section if you want to read it as well. So we haven't... It's good to talk about money regularly because money is such an important part of our life. It's the second most common topic that Jesus spoke about because money is so significant to us. Um, but also, like, operationally as well for us, we haven't talked about money for a while because we haven't needed to. But going into the coming year, there are some things we can't do because we don't think our income is going to cover it. But these are things that we think are important. So we're also just asking people to prayerfully consider, is God asking you to review what you're doing with your finances to support what we do, want to do, what we feel God's calling us to do? So we're thinking about money, specifically this idea Jesus has that money can take the place of God in our lives. And so this idea that money becomes a counterfeit God and the way you recognize counterfeits isn't by studying all the possible counterfeits. If you work in a bank, what they do is they teach you to recognize the real thing really well. So what we're thinking about is aspects of God that help us recognize that this is what God's meant to do, not what money's meant to do. So we've been thinking about that. And we've thought twice, we've thought that God is our provider. So God gives all good things to us. Everything comes from God. Everything really is his. And the delusion we can fall into is we think we're our own providers. You know, I'm so wonderful and clever and I, I've done my career. I'm a self-made person. All these things we can think. But the reality is none of that's true because whatever skills or strength or opportunities you had all came from God anyway. You know, none of us are clever because we're clever. We're clever because God gifted us intelligence. So we thought about God as our provider. We thought about God as our security. We can have another delusion that money offers us security. And so we can, uh, we looked at this on the video session last time, we can store up money because we think this will give us, uh, this will protect us from the future. If something goes wrong in the future, money will protect us. So it's this delusion that somehow money, if we have enough money, we can control the uncontrollable. Um, or we can get our money and we can spend it to try and improve our status and make ourselves be more attractive and more like, you know, higher status so that people will love and accept us. And we think if we have enough money, it will make us be loved and accepted. So those are the ones we've thought about so far. And I just wanted, because I think this is a good reminder, to talk about the way we understand what we're doing at church is about how we are making disciples And how this fits in. So we say discipleship is this journey of developing our relationship with God, discovering that he is for us, he loves us, realizing that that he isn't just interested in our spiritual lives, but our whole lives, our working life, our family life, our hobbies, the things we think about and daydream about, our hopes for the future, our our experiences in the past. He is involved in all of that. And then that overflows into the world around us. That's what we are made to do. We are made to develop a relationship with God that changes us, realize that 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 occupies all of our lives, and then overflows and changes the world around us. 
And we've talked about how we measure that happening in us. And a good way is about how secure we are, like our security. Where, where do we find our securities? We see Jesus was always secure in any situation. He's never pretending he's something he's not. He's never putting on an act. He's never trying to control or manipulate people. He's never giving in to fear. He's never putting on a mask or any of these things. So we can think about any aspect of our life can be involved in this, but money is one of those. So money. So are we secure in God? Are we secure that God loves us, he's for us, or, and he's going to look after us? Or are we secure in money? What gives us a sense of good news for the future? Is it that God is always working good in our lives? Or is it if, we, if I have enough money, if my career goes like this, if I can buy these things, it will, make, it will, it will bring me good news? Secure in church is like, is our money involved in, you know, like, are we contributing as part of a family, securing our everyday life? Are we driven by money? Is money the driving force about the decisions we make? And are we secure in mission? Is money something that helps us overflow to make a difference in the world, bless other people to be hospitable, all those things? So we've thought about God as our provider, God as our security, and today we're going to think about God as being generous. It says this in 2 Corinthians. So let me give you some context. There's a famine in Jerusalem, and people are, are, are real hard times. People are going to die and all this. So they do a collection, these new churches that have sprung up in Asia Minor and along uh, the coast towards Greece have sprung up and they do a collection. They say, we need to collect money for the church in Jerusalem to help them in this really hard time. And so Paul is writing to the Corinthians and he says this, you know the generous grace, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor so that by his poverty he could make you rich. See, the idea here is that God himself is generous. And God wants to overflow with all, from all his riches. So the whole story of the Bible is of Jesus having all the wealth and prosperity and security and honor and status of heaven and leaving that aside to be born as a poor child that needed his nappy changing, you know, to go through life and the hardships of life to eventually die a criminal's death. So we see this, this generosity in God. And the whole story of creation, even creation in the first place, the, and when we messed it up, and then this plan of redemption all the way to recreation at the end is an act of God's generosity. It's an overflow of God's riches. None of it is inevitable. None of it we deserve. It is God choosing to be generous. And we are made in God's image, so we are made to be generous as well. But that image in humans is so broken that we, like, it feels like almost all of the world's evils now, if you look around, is because people put profits over people. You know, this emphasis on money instead of people. So it's almost, you look in the newspaper and you can kind of see that so much rubbish in the world is, the root of it is somebody's trying to get rich. You know, they're, they're just concentrating on getting their money at the expense of other people. So we were made to be generous, to be giving and, and sharing and blessing. And instead, we end up wanting to take, and people, the suffering from that is really real. 
So we see in this that generosity, although we are thinking about money, generosity isn't just about money. It's about a state of being. It's about a, a characteristic. And um, like one of my favorite verses in the Bible is in Romans 12, 2. It says, do not copy the behavior and customs of this world. So we are all in the world. We work alongside people who, are, who have a way of seeing what's important. They have a way of understanding about, you know, looking after number one, you know, what money will do for me, all these things. So there is a behavior. There is a custom that we're around. It says, don't copy that, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So there's a way our brains are programmed, the way we see the world, the way we understand what we think, how the world works, and what the story is that we find ourselves in. That is in our brain, and we, we copy the behavior of the world. But God wants to transform the way we see the world, and that will make us into a new person. So then you will learn to know God's will for you. We've talked about it already in the other room. This is the spiritual energy of our lives, to know God's will, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So if we can break out of the way the rest of the world is living and discover the way Jesus lived, we will be transformed as we discover God's will. So seeing things differently from the people around us, generosity is not, we're going to think about money a little bit, but it's more than that. It is about being a person who is willing to be generous. And to be generous means to give sacrificially. It's not just stuff you don't need. It's like, well, I don't need this stuff, so you can have it. Aren't I a generous person? It's about choosing to prefer other people above your, yourself. So even in the word forgive, has, you know, forgiveness has the word give in it. This idea of not holding on to things that we feel give us something over somebody. They hurt me, so I can now foster that feeling of uh, anger or you know, like, you know, like ill wishes towards somebody to do that. And God has forgiven us. So we can never out-generous God in all these things. We were watching a film last night, and uh, so these, this guy meets this girl, and in the afternoon and in the evening, they're having sex, and they're in bed together. And so even things like that, the idea in the Bible about sex being for committed relationships for marriage, is this idea of generosity, again, because we are not just taking what we want from somebody, but the giving is that sense of uh, my whole life I am going to place, commit, and join with you so that we can live together. I am going to live for this person as well. And in the same way, God gave himself to us. And so being a generous person requires all areas of our lives. And actually, I'm, I mean, I am naturally, or I am wired very self-centered you know I, I know this but actually I've realized that even that's an opportunity so in something as simple as I've said this before like some people come around and we're having cake and I cut slices I know which are the bigger slices like I just know or you know we get like do water from the tap I know which glass it is that's had the tap run a bit longer you know so it's fresher water it hasn't sat in the pipe so I can choose in that moment to, to enact generosity. It's not always like this joyful feeling thing. And I can think, well, I know this one's bigger, so I'm going to give the bigger piece to that person. You know, it's like that's... So all these things. But it's just fostering that sense of 
generosity. And so in Luke 6, Jesus says this other thing. And you see, this is about being generous. And it's not just about money. It's about our attitudes. It's about our actions. It says this, do not judge others and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others or it will come back against you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. This whole idea of, of living in a way gener- generously that we can't outgive God. Yeah, so I've got four observations on generosity from the Bible, just four th- ways to think. And this idea of not copying the behavior of the world, I've kind of phrased them all as uh, contrasting statements because there is a way that we can think about money that the world or generosity that the world has for us and we want to think about it the way that God has so the first one is hearts not wallets generosity is something that happens in our heart not just what happens in our wallet so uh, in this same letter that Paul's writing that we saw before to the church in Corinth about this collection he says this brothers and sisters we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. We think, our, the way the world thinks, the behavior of the world, the pattern of the world thinks that full wallets lead to generosity. It's from an overflow of our money we are able to be generous. And this is thinking that money is the solution to the problem. If, if we want to find the solution to generosity, we need more money. We said that last week. If we want to think, we tend to think, if we want to, I'm worrying about money. What is the solution to worrying about money? I need more money. If I have enough money, then I can stop worrying about it. Money isn't the solution. It just, it's a delusion. The solution is always in God. And so we see here... What Paul's talking is about generosity comes from full hearts, not full wallets. These people have extreme, uh, they're in a trial and they've got extreme poverty, but the overflowing joy in their hearts means that is welled up in rich generosity. So this is the counterintuitive reality of the kingdom of God. In the world, we think of trickle-down economics. You know, if you, put, if you have enough at the top, some of it will fall down and touch everyone else. But this is the other way around. It's not about how much we have. It's about the joy in our hearts that allows us to be free enough to give. And this is a grace that God gives us. It's nothing we achieve on our own. See, at the start, it says the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. It is a supernatural strengthening from God to be able to do this. It's not something we can end up boasting about. It's done from a place of humility because it's God's grace. So full wallets and empty hearts doesn't lead to generosity. Even if it looks like that from the outside, it's about full hearts that leads to generosity. So not hearts, hearts, not wallets. The next one is transformation, not box ticking. Jesus tells this story. He says, the Pharisee, this is an imaginary story. It's a parable he's telling. The Pharisee stood by himself. This was in the temple and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. The Pharisee is 
being generous as a box ticking exercise. He is just saying, I am doing what I'm supposed to do. But it's all self-centered. In fact, in one of the translations, it talks about he prayed to himself. Like it's like he's not even praying to God in this. This is a prayer about how wonderful he is. You know, he's praising himself. I am not like these other people. I do this. I do that. All these things. It's about who is on the throne in his life. God isn't on the throne. He is on... He is on his own throne. (laughs) Um, You see, in the story, there's this tax collector who was like really a bad guy, the tax collector. He was a collaborator with an oppressive regime. Taxes in, in Jesus' time weren't to build hospitals and roads. They were, it was just, it was basically a plunder for, of war that was taken back to Rome for them. It, was, it wasn't, you know, like we might think of taxes as an investment in the, in the world we live in. It was just plunder of war, really. This evil tax collector just throws himself on God's mercy. And Jesus is saying that it's, mercy, it's understanding that God is in charge, throwing ourselves on his mercy that makes a difference. We can't buy anything from God if um, by our goodness. Oh, I bet that's this. There it is. It was the guitar. It was. It, just the guitar fell down. So this might speak to us as well, this idea that there might be in us a complacency with giving. We might be giving as a box-ticking exercise. We might just like, well, I thought about this five years ago. I felt God spoke to me, and now and we're living in that. But again, it's about humility. It's about not thinking, well, I've done my bit, and going back to, to God. The third one. So we've had uh, hearts, not wallets transformation not box ticking about being transformed and the the third one is trust not fear we are beset by FOMO do you know what FOMO is fear of missing out I I mean this and I don't know if you've ever this happens to me a lot I'm someone's talking about money and they'll talk about something I think I don't know about that I'm missing out already on these things. You know, there's some way they do taxes or there's some benefit they're entitled to or there's some deal that they've got that I haven't got or they got in on crypto and maybe I should get in on crypto or whatever, all these things. This idea, if if we could just find this easy shortcut to, to solving our problems and it's driven by fear because we feel like there's this problem that we need to solve and it feels like maybe other people are doing it. And it's the idea, maybe, I guess, that drives people to gamble or buy lottery tickets. You know, is there this shortcut to to dealing with this problem? But instead of fear, we need to learn to trust. So if, if we set money up as a counterfeit, its driving force for us is fear. You know, that we won't have enough, that it won't do, that we need, you know, so we need more, that we need to drive our lives towards getting more and more and more just because we don't know, because it's always the fear But if we push into our relationship with God, who he is and what he's done, it leads us to trust. And it is that gratitude of realizing how much God has done for us that I think leads to generosity. So in Deuteronomy, in the Old Testament, there's these instructions about how they're to structure their nation and what they do. And they talk about 
the giving of the first fruits. This is the, the time when the harvest first comes. I mean, it's really interesting because they give the first fruits before they know what the rest of the harvest is going to do. So it's this real risky give. So they give like the first bit of the harvest and then there's often five weeks before the rest of the harvest is ripened. And there's no guarantee what's going to happen in those five weeks. So it's stepping into a place of trust with God for that. But um, they say, this is what's written in that passage. It says, go to the priest in charge at that time and say to him, with this gift, this is the gift they're giving to the temple, I acknowledge to the Lord your God that I have entered the land he swore to our ancestors he would give us. The priest will then take the basket from your hand and set it before the altar of the Lord your God. And this is why it's all about gratitude, because they are focusing on what God has done to give them the land that they're, they're making money from. And it goes on to say, I haven't put it because it's too long. It says, I don't think I've put it on the thing. It says, you must, you must then say in the presence of the Lord your God, and it gives them this script. My ancestor Jacob was a wandering Aramean who went to live as a foreigner in Egypt. His family arrived few in number, but in Egypt they became a large and mighty nation. When the Egyptians oppressed and humiliated us by making us their slaves, we cried out to the Lord, the God of our ancestors. He heard our cries and saw our hardship, toil and oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a strong hand and powerful arm, with overwhelming terror and with miraculous signs and wonders. He brought us to this place and gave us this land flowing with milk and honey. And now, O Lord, I have brought you the first portion of the harvest you have given me from the ground. Then place the produce before the Lord your God and bow to the ground in worship before him. Afterwards, go and celebrate because of all the good, good things the Lord has given you and your household. If we think of giving as like a penalty from us, a, something that's been taken from us, a hardship, we, we're not going to find generosity. But if we can think of giving as a celebration that what God has done, how he has blessed us. And so this whole linking, you know, this is what Israel was so good at. They linked back to God working this founding story that maybe we're not so good at of remembering what God has done in us, you know, I think I sometimes just become really complacent that this is just what I am. You know, God's done this thing without remembering how wonderful he has been to us in the past. And so we are celebrating. Generosity comes out of a celebration of God's goodness in our lives. And that is a relationship. Trust is a relationship. So we build it as we go along, not expected just to turn it on. You wouldn't meet somebody and then marry them the same day. You know, we work with relationships, we work through stages. Is this person trustworthy? Is this person good? Does this person want the best for me? Is this person going to make me more, more or make me less? And then, and then we work towards building the, that relationship. And it is the same with God. So in the Old Testament, the tithe, 10% of your income was what you, um, you gave away to God and it came and these other there were these other celebrations these first fruits and that's a really good guideline I think for us now but we need to recognize that this is a journey we're going on and so I've I've done that in my life of of building and it was really easy to give 10% when I was earning you know like I just had a part-time job um, and I was earning in cash it was really easy it gets harder as you go along 
Um, and then a number of years ago, I was challenged to give 10% of my gross, not my net. You know, like these things. But these steps and discovering that God is faithful in those times when, you know, other opportunities where suddenly you have some money come to you to make those choices to do that. So we need to kind of think, what is, what is this relationship leading me towards? If I am going to trust in God, what is a step to discover that I trust in him? Or am I trusting in my money and I just feel like I'm box ticking with God? And then finally, investment, not penalty. So sometimes we think, yeah, this is being taken away from me. You know, this, my giving is taken away from me. But actually, it is an investment into the things of God. If we spend our lives investing into ourselves, so we can do this with money. We think, I need more money. I'm driven by money. If I can get all my money, because we think it gives us security, and we find it's false. You see, if we hit bad health, like a health crisis, if a relationship breakdown is terrible, if there's something goes on, like some kind of financial emergency, money can't help us with any of those things. And if that's all we've invested in, then that's all we've got left. But instead, if we're investing in our character and in the relationships around us, which the Bible tells us money is for, to, to learn to have a good character and to invest in relationships, those are the things that do help us in a crisis. A good character and community support supports us in a, in a crisis. Having money that can't buy us the control we want doesn't. And so the disciples are talking to Jesus, and they are amazed that Jesus is saying money, because in the Jewish culture, if you had lots of money, it was a sign that God was blessing you. And he makes a point about how hard it is for people who trust in their wealth to enter the kingdom of heaven. And they're like, this doesn't make sense, because we've always been told money is, money is a sign that God's for you. And Jesus says this, Oh, and they say, but we've given up everything to follow you. And he says, yes, Jesus replied. And I assure you that everyone who's given up house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will be repaid many times over in this life and will have eternal life in the world to come. We are investing in the things of the kingdom and the kingdom always delivers. The kingdom, God's, where God's in charge, he is always safe. Do you remember in the parable of the talents and these guys, one guy buries the money and he doesn't, you know, like, and then he just gives back what he was given instead of him using the money. And um, he says, I know, I know you reap where you don't sow. And I think the point they're making is in with God, he never loses. You know, like there's never, it never doesn't work out for God. God never like, oh, I thought it was going to work out. and It didn't work out. So it's a safe place for us to be investing our lives into because God will always come out. God will never ever say, oh, well, it didn't work out, it's all gone. He is always generous. And so we're talking about money a little bit in the church, but investing isn't just money. So, like, investing in the community is important. You know, like, contributing to hubs, you go to hubs, or being part of a hub, you know, helping make Sunday mornings happen, investing in the next generation, you know, the young people that are growing up, those ways that we can help. There are a few people out doing kids' stuff now. We just need a few more people that would be willing to go out and do craft and have conversations with kids. It's really important. And the point is maybe we don't want to do any of those things because it's kind of scary. I mean, that's, 
helping with teenagers, so I do teenagers with Tim and Hannah, like initially, this, the real fear is they're teenagers, you know, like how are we going to, you know, like they, we don't know what to say, what do we do? They're like slightly a, a different species, you know, it's like, but that, it's the fear of doing that and the same with our money of like, if I give it away, then it's not mine, I can't use it. It's that sacrifice that makes it that is the spiritual power. It is the worship that comes along with it. And so that investment in others, this says, is also an investment back in ourselves, you know? And that, this is back to that point of crisis to have, uh, to be repaid many times over with brothers, parents, children, you know, support like that is, is important. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. This is our motivation for being generous because God is generous. This is the image in us, the way we are meant to be, that comes out because God is generous. It is the thankfulness and celebration of this that gives us the power to be generous. So those four things, hearts, not wallets. It's about what's going on inside us, not what we happen to have in the bank account. It's about transformation, not box ticking. It isn't just God wants us to do this. He wants to transform us into the person he created us to be. Trust, not fear. It's about growing in a relationship, not being driven by fear of the future. And it's an investment, not a penalty.